good police work is evidence-based. The evidence leads you to the conclusion, not the other way around. Gardy have always said, they have always believed that the answer to this case rests within the Kerry community. They're convinced there are people still in Kerry who know the truth of this story. And they've appealed to them to come forward. If they don't come forward, the hope is that DNA will, will, will unravel all of this. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It's the 37-year murder mystery that has haunted Ireland and remains the biggest policing scandal in modern history. A dead baby washes up on a Kerry beach with 28 stab wounds and a fractured spine. A Garda murder squad is dispatched to find answers, but a local woman is hounded for murder while the real killer walks free. Now, a DNA sample taken from the exhumed remains of baby John has offered fresh hopes in the cold case that science could finally solve. Today, I'm talking with Irish independent journalist Ralph Regal about the extraordinary story of baby John. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Ralph, have you any idea why the Gardaí went for an exhumation of baby John so many years after he was buried? Officially, no, we don't. Unofficially, all the indications are that the Gardaí required the exhumation for a better quality DNA sample. And the reason that they were looking for a better quality DNA sample is that I think the belief within the force is that the only way to resolve this is through a DNA trawl. Now, they have been collecting DNA samples uh, for the past three years, almost four years at this point. I think they have in or around 100 samples from particular places in Kerry that they were looking at. And a lot of the speculation, and I stress it's speculation, is that the Gardaí wanted a better quality DNA sample because they believe the next step in this case could be examining a potential familial hit. And to explain what that means is that in a lot of cases, crimes are solved by DNA simply because the DNA found at a crime scene matches the DNA of a suspect. But in a lot of cold cases, what happens is they don't have a suspect. They don't have suspect DNA. But what they do have is DNA that could potentially lead them to that person. And in the UK, in the US and in France, what has happened over recent times is a significant number of cold cases have been resolved. Like you'd know more about this, Nicola, than anyone, that they've been resolved by the DNA from the crime scene, leading them to someone who is distantly related to the person who turns out to be the suspect or the guilty party. And there was a very, very high profile murder and, and rape case in the UK that was solved by this. I think it led to the person's first cousin. They got a familial hit. Now, they knew the person that they matched. It couldn't have been the, the perpetrator. But it turns out that that person was a first cousin of someone who was living in the area, whose alibi had never been checked out for the, the actual crime. And when they went for a DNA, they had a perfect match to the actual crime scene. So what they're looking for here, I think, is it's a familial hit. And they may or may not already have some material in that regard. 
Certainly there's 100 samples on file for the last three years. And a lot of my sources are telling me that while there has been speculation about overseas connections and whatever, they believe that the answer to this has always um, been in Kerry. Absolutely. And um, a lot of experts and profilers would say the same thing. Um the exhumation happened last month. It was pretty low key, actually. I mean, this story, I think we see the headlines on the Kerry Babies case and we kind of almost really forget what lies at the heart of it and what happened because it's gone on for decades and decades. But the exhumation was last month in the town of Cahar Sivine. Is that where baby John is buried? That's right. Ba- baby John is buried in um, in Holy Cross Cemetery in Cahar Sivine. And just to refresh, a lot of people listening to this may know about the Kerry babies, but may not be so familiar with dates and events and whatever. But basically what happened was that the remains of baby John were discovered at White Strand, just outside Cahar Sivine, on April the 14th, 1984. Now, the baby was about five days old and had met a horrific death. There was, I think, between 25 and 30 stab wounds on the child and such was the violence of the assault on baby John that actually his spine was 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 severed as well so the child met quite a horrifically violent death and of course the backdrop was that the guardie became aware that there was a lady in Kerry who had been pregnant and had had given birth to a baby of course Joanne Hayes and Joanne Hayes had said that she had given birth to a baby boy named Shane on April the 13th, 1984, which was the day before. And she said her baby had died of natural causes at birth and the baby had been buried on the farm. Now, Gardy wrongly focused on Joanne Hayes. And of course, that led to what became one of the most notorious um, Garda bungling cases. There was a formal apology issued many, many years later by the state and damages were paid to Joanne Hayes and the family. Now, she always maintained that she had nothing whatsoever to do with the the baby that was found at White Strand. And DNA tests which were taken on samples which were retained from the post-mortem examination back in 1984 conclusively proved that Joanne Hayes had absolutely no link whatsoever to the baby found at White Strand. Like, Ralph, that was a scandal beyond scandals. It was absolutely disgusting what happened that time. It was the Garda murder squad, a notorious sort of crew known as the heavies who went down to investigate this case. They had actually extracted confessions from Joanne Hayes and her family by the time they went looking for this baby that she said was buried on the farm. And then they found it. And, you know, I mean, to this day one particular member of that original investigation team stands by his claims that she had two babies by two different men at the same time, one day after another. Ludicrous. And absolutely is adamant that he was right then and he's right now. Um, Bit of a rant, because I do think that that is a shame uh, on our history in, in this country, the way she was treated in that tribunal 81 days, she had to give evidence and discuss her sex life or all sorts of personal and intimate details about giving birth and where it had happened. Um, and I I often don't know is an apology enough really with what happened in that case. Nonetheless, that is where we start to get lost with this Kerry babies when people like me go off on one. Um, back to this baby, this tiny murder victim, one of Ireland's youngest, probably the youngest murder victims, an overkill. Um, 
the way those stab wounds you describe, the severed spine, was way more than was needed to kill a baby. It, it, it was, Nicola. And I think, you know, what's interesting about this case is that good, good police work is evidence-based. The evidence leads you to the conclusion, not the other way around. You don't make up your mind and then chase the evidence based on that. And over the years, I think what's been lost is, as you say, the level of extreme violence that was visited on this child. Another interesting element was the fact that uh, Baby John's grave, you know, Baby John, Tom Cornan was the undertaker down there, a very kind-hearted man, and the case really seemed to affect him. And he paid for a lovely marble headstone for Baby John in this cemetery. And a number of times over the years, that grave has been vandalised. Now, the headstone bears the simple phrase, I forgive, which is the cornerstone of basic Christian belief. And yet, at one particular case, someone took a sledgehammer and smashed the headstone. The headstone had been damaged a number of times as well on other occasions. And that has also led to speculation. Is that somehow linked to the original killing back in April 1984? And really where this case began to come into the the sunlight of modern policing is when suddenly, despite what everyone had been saying over the years, why aren't we using DNA? DNA really started to come into the picture in 2017, 2018. And in 2018, uh, the police in Kerry decided that what Gardaí were going to do is they were going to start appealing for DNA samples. And they were taking DNA samples from particular parts, the Carasivine area, parts of the Ivora Peninsula, in the belief that given the currents and given the tidal movements, that's most likely where the baby might have entered the water in those general areas. And they have over 100 samples on file at the moment. And while I think the original belief was they were probably unlikely to get a direct match with the mother or the father, they stood a very good chance of getting a hit or a link to someone related to the mother or father, which might then lead them in the right direction towards those involved. And the, the guardy had been very careful. I mean, certainly the guards that are involved with the case at the moment, they couldn't have handled this case more sensitively. If you look at the exhumation last month, it was only confirmed when it was over and the baby had already been reburied. Uh, when the child, the remains were exhumed, they were taken to um, University Hospital Kerry. There was a special, uh, special examination. There was friend, forensic um, anthropologists there. The required samples were taken and they're currently being analysed. And the belief within the Gardaí in Kerry is that that was a very significant development and that they are expecting further significant developments in the very near future. So let's rewind slightly to that 2017-2018 time. And that's when a unit of the police called the Garda Serious Organised Crime Unit went down to review the case. So they're essentially the cold case unit. And they take out files and they look for things like that. Have there been developments in DNA uh, since a, a murder was committed? They look at things like new science, like maybe geographical profiling. Um, so it was it was at that point that it was decided that, yes, this case possibly could be solved. Was it at that point as well that the apology was issued to Joanne Hayes? Yes, it was pretty much within the same 12-month period. And the apology, I think, was integral to the whole decision 
to say, well, I should say DNA conclusively proved that Joanne Heade, as she had always said, had absolutely no link to the baby at White Strand. So if the DNA could prove that, the DNA could also prove, well, who was connected, who was involved in this. And I think that's where you had these very experienced officers came down and said, well, look, we potentially have the information that could solve this. And that's when the decision was made. Number one, I think the, the apology, that no, the apology was problematic. There were issues involved on both sides in negotiating the apology. And that ultimately led then to the the payment of, of, of damages to the extended Hayes family for the way that they were treated back in 1984. And as a consequence of that, then you had the decision to start looking for DNA samples because Gardy have always said, they have always believed that the answer to this case rests within the Kerry community. They're convinced there are people still in Kerry who know the truth of this story and they've appealed to them to come forward. If they don't come forward, the hope is that DNA will, will, will unravel all of this. Now, that DNA sample that was taken from the baby's remains back in 1984 had been in a freezer, isn't that right, in Forensic Science Ireland's lab. And amazingly, somebody had the foresight to put it there. And amazingly, when they took it out of the freezer, they realised it was still usable. Yes, yeah. Now, there is a slight element of degradation that that comes in and because of the techniques that were in place back in 1984 contrast to the techniques that are available today that DNA sample wasn't as good as the DNA sample that has now been obtained and there's a big difference between the two but I I think we do have to say in fairness to the, the people that were involved and they had the foresight they had the skill and the professionalism to keep these things on file because if there hadn't been a DNA sample on file from 84, it certainly would have, I think, made the current investigation much more problematic. Whereas the the indication that I have from all of my sources is that this investigation has progressed significantly and that the current DNA sample is more of an aid or a support than an actual starting point. Now, when we look at the theory and uh, of the answers to this crime, this murder being lying within the community, we look to a number of things. Firstly, um, who would want to kill a baby in such a fashion? Secondly, uh, White Strand, I don't know whether you've been, I was there one April day and I was nearly blown inside out. I have never come across anything like the wind that's there. As I'm walking across the beach, you know, at times I literally had to stop just to stay upright. So this wind is whipping in off the Atlantic and you have Valencia out across the sea, um, populated, of course. But there's a river that comes out into the mouth of this area from up, up, you know, from inland, obviously. And I was talking to a meteorologist, somebody who'd worked in Valencia, because, of course, Valencia was the first meteorological, try and say that word, station in Ireland. And it dated back to the 1800s when the British actually realised that whatever happened in Valencia was going to happen in London 24 hours later. So whatever weather was coming in there was literally going to hit London. Uh, So they set up a weather station there. And from the sort of 1930s onwards... Uh, when it became the Irish Meteorological Service, they have kept a record of every day, the weather from absolutely every day, from exactly that spot 
where that baby's body was found. So, um, you know, you look at, they, they're able to, they have quite a good climatology and, and geographical notes from back then. They can go back and see where the wind was coming from, how the tide was moving, and obviously use that then scientifically to try and ascertain where this baby's body could have been thrown into the waters. The other thing they had was a fertilizer bag that the baby's body was found in. I think it had been ripped, but they believed that it may have been just ripped off the rocks on that beach. Um, And I think they were able to look at who would likely have a fertilizer bag in the area. It's not coming from the Caribbean, you know. Even though this meteorologist guy I was talking to was telling me that they found a nut on that beach one time and brought it home and realised it had come all the way from the Caribbean and had been washed up on White White Strand Beach. But anyway, so all these things together suggest to us that this was, you know, the way that the the body washed in, the fact it was in a fertiliser bag, the fact that it's a baby, um, it's something local, isn't it? And it's some dark secret that's held probably within a family. Yes, uh, I think the guards firmly believe that this isn't something that is known to just one person, that there had to be more than one person involved. And obviously there's a mum and a dad and it's fair to say that one or the other must be aware that a baby vanished. And I would think that the indications are that it's very unlikely that a wider family isn't aware of it. Now, we don't know the circumstances that are involved. There could be a lot of issues. I mean, the Gardaí have always been very careful to say that the the individual or individuals involved may need help, may need medical or psychiatric support or whatever, and that that will be provided for them if they come forward. But, I mean, if you look at the general forensics of the case, the baby's body wasn't in the water for more than a matter of hours, 24 hours, I think they're saying at most. The tidal movements seem to indicate that the point of origin was local and that it was washed ashore, that it didn't come from beyond the the, the greater kind of Kerry area. And as you say, the fertilizer bag, all of those things seem to indicate that there is a local source for this. And there have been multiple appeals over the years. Um, nothing, no one has come forward. I think it's fair to say that the publicity which surrounded this case, the controversies, and the very fact that it seemed to, the controversies seemed to hark back to an era where women were treated in a particular way within Irish society, and that may very well have deterred people from coming forward. But hopefully that has changed and the forensics, the, the way this case is being approached, science-based, that they're hoping it will give them the breakthrough that they've, they've waited for since 1984. So, you know, whatever science may bring, if this is a f- secret within a family, it is a very dark and long-held secret. And, you know, maybe while people within the family, they may have an idea that there's something there. Do you know yourself, sometimes a family will have... Close ranks. Yeah, and like, do you know, even back back in those days, I mean, Jesus, saying back in those days was only the 1980s. 
Um, but like even then, um, there used to be things going on in families that somebody would be actually the daughter of who they believed was their sister and all these sort of things. Do you know what I mean? Ireland was a very strange place, really. Um, but it always strikes me that the case, um, putting a little bit of a, a an opinion into it, I don't think that a mother would kill their baby in that fashion. In, in the tragic circumstances when mothers kill, they tend to do it gently, they suffocate or they drown a, a child. Whereas this... The way this baby has been killed, there's so much anger there, isn't there? Some and 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 like if we take what you're talking about, the grave, did that anger continue to the grave? There's something, there's something very dark there. It's a very good point, Nicola, and I think it it also points to something else. The Guardi are very concerned about, in that it's possible, you might even argue that it's likely that one of the reasons why people haven't come forward is potentially out of fear that they are afraid and not just because of shame, but they are afraid because potentially the person that's responsible for this, if they could do this to a helpless newborn baby, well, could they do this to an adult to protect themselves or to keep the secret or whatever? And that's something that the Guardi are acutely aware of as well. Whether the attacks on the grave are linked to the original event still remains a bit of a mystery but it does seem very, very strange that there would be this consistent, concerted campaign of violence directed on a new, uh, you know, baby John's grave. Mm. You know, that it would certainly seem to hint that there is some kind of connection to the original tragedy. Um, again, you know, we're only speculating in terms of who, who did it, whether, you know, father, mother, whatever. But certainly the guards hope that DNA offers their best chance of narrowing this to a point where suddenly they can start, they, they have a point to work from and that that's when they can potentially maybe get someone to give them that bit of extra information. Again, now some people have argued that it's quite possible that the people involved in this may no longer be alive. And that's possible too. But it doesn't mean that we can't try and explain and clarify and confirm the general circumstances of what happened. It's quite a tightrope that the guards are walking, really, Ralph, isn't it? Because while they're trying to gently and sensitively urge people to come forward, they are also investigating a murder. It is still a murder investigation and they will still be trying to catch a killer. Yeah, very much so. And I think as if that wasn't complicated enough, the guardie are doing so, so against the background of the fact that this original investigation ranks as one of the most notorious, you could say shameful episodes of the force's modern um, investigative history. And in fairness, I, you do have to say that the way it has been handled over recent years, Superintendent Flora Murphy is leading the investigation and it has been painstaking, it has been professional, it has been exceptionally sensitive. And I would argue that certainly in the last three to five years, there has been more progress achieved than in the previous three decades. And hopefully if that progress continues, we may very well finally start getting some answers to these awful events back in 1984. I, I get the impression from you, Ralph, that you feel that it will be coming to its conclusion in the kind of, in the coming year, certainly, for example. 
Yeah, I, I certainly don't think, Nicola, that if we're having this conversation in two years' time, we're going to be having it in the opaque fashion, perhaps, that we are at the moment. I really think that the belief within the Gardaí is that they already have some developments. They're keeping their cards very close to their chest for obvious reasons. But I really get the sense that they are working towards something and that if they get the break they need with the DNA, that, I mean, you know you know an awful lot more about serious crime reporting than I do. And when guards start using the word significant, it carries a lot of weight. Well, Ralph, I hope we will be, you know, coming back to this uh, soon because, look, while it's one of the most tragic cases that we've had in our criminal history in this country, it is also absolutely fascinating that a little piece of DNA could untangle, uh, you know, this this very, very cold case. Very much so. And again, it goes back to the foresight, the professionalism and the skill of the original forensics officers that were involved in this. And bear in mind, back then, you know, you were talking almost Stone Age developments in terms of DNA and stuff, but people had the foresight to keep samples on file. And thanks to the technological revolution over the last 30 years, that decision to just carefully file something could very well end up unravelling and finally revealing the truth and hopefully the justice that baby John deserves. Ralph Regal, thank you very much. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.